During this episode, we spend time with Dr. Aguim Bashiri, Chief Medical Officer at Neutromics, an international leader pioneering continuous diagnostic monitoring to transform personalized care. Bringing over 20 years of clinical and industry experience, Aguim is driven to advance patient-centric precision medicine. While together, Aguim shares how Neutromics utilizes synthetic DNA sensors for real-time, first-order molecular recognition. Additionally, Aguim unpacks the future of scaling personalized treatment through continuous multiplex monitoring. We also discuss reinventing antiquated blood testing methodologies and paradigm shifts, enabling preventative intervention. Join us as Aguim outlines a vision for mimicking implanted diagnostic tools across diverse disease states and to gain inspiration from his dedication to elevating global standards of care through innovative diagnostics. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Hi, Dr. Bashiri. A big welcome to our podcast today. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Was well, an expert in developing a medical affairs organization and driving medical research and education, and your passion for elevating the standard of care for all patients, I'm honored to spend time with you today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passion of Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts. Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Ajim, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the Neutromics team are building an industry-leading diagnostic company with a vision to create a world with zero preventable deaths due to a lack of continuous diagnostic monitoring. First, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world. I would really recommend that they focus on what they are interested in and what makes them wake up in the morning. But pick a specific topic, pick a specific disease state or an area in healthcare, if that is their interest, that they want to resolve because it is a personal item of value. It will have an impact on healthcare and it certainly will bring value to the global community. And think outside of the box. Do not follow the limitations of today's capability, today's technology, and yesterday's standard of care. Those are the limitations and the boundaries that limit us from and keep us from developing and innovating beyond the standard of practice. So if you're interested in the space, think outside the box, pick what you're passionate about and has a personal value for you that impacts the community globally. You know, I really appreciate that, Dr. Bashir. And I think it's all also really important because I think you know as well as I do, and we're going to talk about all the wonderful work happening in the Neutromics camp and your career and everything you've done leading up to today being the chief medical officer. But I think we can both agree innovating in healthcare is very difficult. This is a very, very difficult space. There is a lot of, how do I say this, status quo type of thinking, right? This is how it's always been done. So we're just going to keep doing it. But as you probably would also agree, 
This is what's got us in the mess in the first place. Is this part of the culture that you just described about thinking outside the box, finding that passion? Are these some of the tenets of the culture within your organization as well? Absolutely. And I'm quite blessed and quite lucky to be working with a team in an organization that is fitting that category and in a broad sense, but all of the criteria within as individuals, because that's what it's going to take to bring something so novel, so revolutionary into healthcare practice. If I give you an analogy, we looked at uh, continuous glucose monitoring that's been around for decades now. It has made unbelievable improvements in behavior management and uh, diabetes management of these patients. That was kind of like landing on the moon if I was to compare it to some scientific endeavor. And what we're trying to do is kind of like landing on Mars. So that's a layman's terms analogy that we do have quite a bit of a challenge. But what I spoke about before, it really goes to say the team needs to fit that capability, that criteria. Yes, have the ability, absolutely have the belief, but those hand in hand go with confidence to, to actually endure and develop and innovate to bring the product to, uh, to bear. Well, we're going to talk about all that and more on what you guys are building as a team, the big swing you're taking, as you mentioned, the proverbial uh, journey to Mars, if you will, and all the wonderful things happening within the organization. We're going to unpack all of that and more after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Bashiri, Chief Medical Officer of Neutromics. Great to be with you today. Again, thank you for spending time with us and thank you for really setting the stage on the front end, thinking outside the box, taking those big swings, understanding that it's difficult to innovate in healthcare, but we have to do it. We can't keep doing what we've been doing year over year over year in order to move forward and to really innovate in this industry. We have to think outside the box, as you mentioned. So let's go there. Let's talk about kind of how you got to Neutromics, what that journey was like. Obviously, you spent an amazing uh, tenured career over at Abbott for quite some time, a wonderful global brand, amazing company. We'll talk about that, how that led you into Neutromics, what's happening today at, at the organization. And then where you see things heading tomorrow, not only for your company, but of course, on the macro with the industry and of course, how we can help you. But first, let's start there. How did this all come to be? Talk a little bit about your journey with Abbott that led you into Neutromics. Yeah, as you said, great company, a cornerstone of diagnostics and, and biotech and very diverse in the space of healthcare. Joined Abbott quite a few years ago. I don't want to age myself here on this call, but quite a few years ago. And as a young physician, I used to get visits from Abbott in the hospital setting 
where we'd have discussions of what their diagnostic instrumentation is actually speaking about, what it's telling us, what it's telling the clinician about their patients and how to manage their patients. You know, I would always comment on the output of that instrumentation as it analyzes blood and gives information out that is quite rigid if you just take the direct output. So my commentary was always, why aren't we utilizing you as Abbott and other companies utilizing some of the raw data behind this data that is generated and and output? So you're telling me it's five. Well, it took a lot of a science and, and capability to interrogate those blood cells and what is in the blood to give me an answer of five. How did we get to that? And that kind of dynamic work really has a lot of value behind that five. And for each patient, it's slightly different. So if we look at how the, you know, we generate those results, look at raw data, it's quite rich and it provides us more insights. And that's what really tied me into diagnostics way back when and got offered roles at Abbott and other companies, but chose to join Abbott at the time because that was really innovative organization, an organization that was really driving diagnostics to the level that, that no one was at the time. Over the years, we certainly spent quite a bit of effort in, in developing new indications, new biomarkers to test and find out if someone is at risk for disease versus someone has the disease and appropriately categorize them and manage them in either in the prevention setting or in the acute setting to improve outcomes. But you know, we had to recognize that the methodology of how we generated that result really hadn't changed over the last 50 years. It was the same methodology. You draw blood from the patient, you take it to the lab, put it on these large instruments and and try to uh, get a result that either matches the clinical presentation of the suspicion of the clinician and uh, try to initiate some preventative measures to improve that patient's outcome. And we had to realize that unless we employed additional pathways, again, thinking outside of the box, to improve that, we wouldn't get additional value out of our diagnostic modalities. So we got into AI, a little bit of machine learning, and we obviously picked our biomarkers or our tests and then took advanced data analytics capabilities and, and tried to layer a solution on top of that that base layer of of how diagnostic methods really work to improve them and make them more patient-centric, taking patient demographics into play and and so on. We built a whole team around that and and capabilities around that. And of course, it's a novel pathway. You have to educate on that as well. Everything new, you have to go back and re-educate the clinicians in the healthcare setting and the payers and everyone in that life cycle of such an indication to bring them up to speed. So utilized appropriately. As they say, you know, you could have the next best thing since sliced bread, but if you don't educate appropriately, it will not be utilized to its maximum potential. We invented also with wonderful team members at Abbott that that we brought on board excellent algorithms, uh, AI-based algorithms to help drive additional capability and making them more patient-centric, more personalized, instead of population-based. And, and that's what I think AI potential really started with and, and can bring us further into that precision and personalized medicine space. But there's sort of a limitation of what you can do with the current methodologies and, and the standard of 
practice in diagnostics to date. And what I mean by diagnostics is this blood testing and testing for abnormalities or the normal routine testing to say you're healthy, but now I'm also going to do testing to determine if if something's going to happen to you in 10 years in a preventative setting as well. I had never been interested in picking up the phone and, and responding to a recruiter or somebody calling on a topic or anything like that until, you know, the final year at Abbott where the methodology that Neutromics had invested in and was fully vested in, to me, was extremely interesting and, and showed that potential to go beyond just adding layers of either improving these incremental improvements of precision, as we call it in diagnostics, or sensitivity or specificity, or we made the instrument smaller, less footprint and quicker and cheaper cycle time and so on. It was really taking that methodology and flipping it on its head and saying, well, we don't need any of that. And we can also look at how we resolve some of these limitations that we're trying to fix with layering of AI and other data analytics uh, approaches and doing it at a patient-centric, personalized level and continuously. So if I was to give you a comparison, like if you walk into any hospital in the world in the emergency room or in the ICU, you'll see patients have you know these, these patches, these electrical leads on them. They've got uh, something on their finger that is measuring their oxygen saturation, the leads are measuring their cardiac rhythm, their electrical cardiac pulses and how the heart is doing, and respiratory rate and blood pressure, and it's continuous. We've been doing that for many, many years, and it is a staple, a standard of care. You can't take that away from clinicians. But what we haven't done is we haven't really been able to break through, especially in the acute setting, to monitor at that level of granularity, at that level of of personalization and precision, the biomarker, what's in the blood, either the cells or the proteins, or if you have an infection, a virus, or more importantly, the drugs that we give you. So we we give drugs to patients and and it's, you know, we there is a precision medicine level that I'll talk about, but it's still quite rudimentary. I mean, we it's based on height and weight. It's based on a study that involves a few patients that may not be reflective of the patient you're treating. So there's the art of medicine is still being utilized in that space. We're giving them a treatment and then watching for the effect clinically, not necessarily very, very precise. What we do call precision medicine today is a wonderful medical speciality of oncology where it's the the most advanced as far as precision medicine goes. They've made leaps and bounds, but it's still quite focused on one aspect, the, the target that they're treating. So we have you know, genetic testing, gene sequencing. We've got wonderful tests now that'll tell us, look, uh, the target for this drug exists, and therefore, if you treat with this drug, you'll have the best outcome. But it's very static. Once you find the target, you treat for that target, but you never monitor the patient with anything or monitor the patient with how much of that drug is being given and and so on and so forth. I think, yes, it's the best we have. And yes, it's advanced quite a bit, but we can do a lot more because that's quite static and limited. So this is what really interested me from the neutromic standpoint and the methodology. And the methodology, while its root has existed for 20, 30 years, the continuous nature of it 
and for it to be on the body and monitoring continuously, as well as not having these limitations of cords and reagents and water and all this other stuff that we use to mix samples, blood samples to test them, is extremely revolutionary. And so with that, Dr. Bashiri, obviously a huge step forward, and we're going to talk more in depth of what those uh, steps forward are and, and exactly what the technology and the platform is in just a moment. But as you mentioned, you were very happy at, at, at Abbott. I could see why. It's a phenomenal global brand. But there was an opportunity where you saw a huge leap forward in a company like Neutronics. Take us back to those initial moments when you started learning about the company. What was it like? Did you initially spend time with the CEO, other team members at Neutronics? And how did those early conversations go that led you to becoming the chief medical officer? You're absolutely right. It wasn't certainly based on hard searches over many years to leave Abbott. It was more of uh, the timing and what Neutromics was doing and who was actually at Neutromics at the time. You know, I met with the wonderful co-founders at Peter and Hitesh. Peter's our CEO and, and, and Hitesh is our COO. They both co-founded the organization about five years ago, reached out and, and had discussions with me and met with them for a couple of months, you know, on and off to understand who they are. To me, there's principles that you follow. There's three things that I can't train you. You can't train me. And at our age, in these career paths, it's hard to establish if you don't have them already. Integrity, uh, loyalty to principles. You can't teach that at the age of X, Y, Z. You know, it's, it's something that is part of your social upbringing and your makeup as a person. And I was extremely impressed, you know, by Peter and Atash, that both of them and everyone I ended up meeting was meeting this criteria and expressing that level of passion that aligned with, with my thing. Not the same experience and background, which is what makes the, the organization and even a small uh, team quite rich, but they came back, came from a point of integrity, from a point of loyalty to principles, not loyalty to me or to Neutromics. They have higher principles that they're loyal to, and whether that comes from military background, from sports, from religious beliefs, they're loyal to principles that obviously make them strong leaders and also make them loyal to their vision in the organization. So finally, as people, if you connect as people, the next piece is, do we connect on the vision? And if you connect on the vision, everything else is legit. Everything else is really secondary. And the vision that they had is as two non-clinicians. Peter has a background, chemical engineer, founder of startups and products, and you know, gone through the life cycle there. Hitesh, uh, healthcare consultant, IBM, Watson, and so on. Excellent backgrounds. But you know, once we connected on the vision that we really and they already had established themselves with that vision. It resonated exactly with my vision and, and what I've been trying to do at Abbott and prior to Abbott for, for many, many years. So if the vision is there, everything else becomes secondary. I love it. Well, thank you for setting the stage here, Dr. Bashiri. Well, and those are the stories that you want to hear, right? It's some of those intangibles that bring teammates together to create game-changing companies just like a Neutromic. So let's go there. Let's dive into the elevator pitch for Neutromics, who you are, what you guys are doing, what you're building how things are going in the marketplace. But let's first start there. Who is Neutromics? If I was to define Neutromics in a short sentence, 
Neutromics is a visionary diagnostic company that is implementing continuous diagnostics. And they want to bring improvement to outcomes based on a patient-centric, personalized, and precision diagnostic modality. And it will take a few years for us to get out there, but it's the right team with the right vision and definitely the right methodology. That is Neutromics today. What we are endeavoring in the immediate sense on is we have put together our first prototype that utilizes a DNA or a synthetic DNA-based biosensor. If I was to go into the methodology a little bit more, Mike, in current uh, standard tests, what you have is, is you have a chemical reaction that takes place to detect a test, uh, to detect an analyte or a marker of interest. For example, let's take glucose. They're typically uh, detected, glucose is detected with enzymatic methods. So it's an enzyme reaction that occurs. And then it elicits either a light or a fluorescent or electrical signal. And then we measure that signal and the intensity of that signal to see how much glucose is there. There are other methodologies like immunoassay, where we look at an antigen and antibody binding and fluorescence and, and how much fluorescence there is. Then we say that we equate that and calibrate that to how much analyte there is in blood. All these methods require blood, they require time, and they're not the first order of detecting that molecule of that analyte. So it's not first order of detecting glucose, as an example. The best example that I can give you today is continuous glucose monitors, which have done wonders for diabetes patients and at healthcare at large in the non-acute setting, but they have limitations. And their limitations are that they use this enzymatic method. That's, that brings on limitations of detection, interferences by other substances. You can't have multiple tests right next to each other to monitor multiple things, which we call multiplexing. And our methodology utilizing this synthetic DNA sensor is not a chemical reaction. It's not a second or third order detection of that molecule. It's really first order. The way we're using synthetic DNAs, we're picking and choosing and modifying sequences of that DNA strand to be very specific to a molecule. So when that molecule comes by, what happens to that DNA strand is it physically conforms and recognizes that molecule. And then after the recognition happens, it lets go of the molecule. This is actually biomimicry. It's, it's kind of what's happening in our body with our protein sensor, our sensors, our peptide sensors. They do the same thing. When glucose comes by, the protein sensor in our body recognizes it, conforms over it, and then lets it go. And that's how our sensors continue to work 24-7. And this is the continuation and the continuous monitoring we're talking about. We're mimicking what's happening in the body with the synthetic DNA sequence. The beauty of this is Yes, it's first order. It's more specific. It has less interferences, less things that could cause it to be incorrect. It doesn't require a reagents and, and fluorescence and carcinogenic type concoctions for it to work. And we can make it in a format that is minimally invasive. So it goes in the skin about a millimeter. 
if you've seen the continuous glucose monitors, they go in about six to 10 millimeters, depending on which manufacturer and which model you have, which is quite deep. So it's limited to the locations you can place it on the body because we want to be quite scalable and broad and impact a very large population of patients. We want to be able to apply it uh, pretty much anywhere on the body in adults, as well as pediatrics, as well as neonates and preemies. So you're talking about a very tiny human that doesn't have much surface area and you don't, may not have choices of placement. And it could be centrally needed to be placed centrally, like on, on the torso. As an example, arms are, are just not going to accommodate any type of device. So this is what we're working on now. And, and that prototype is done. We're actually in clinical studies in, here in Melbourne at, at Monash, working with a wonderful team at, at Monash Health and Monash University. And we hope to generate some data and publish that fairly soon. And so let's talk about, obviously, then the future state, because you guys are working on all of that as we speak. What does the future hold if all of this plays out to the vision that you and the team have created at Neutromics? What does this look like in the next two to three, three to five years, not only for your organization, but really for the industry writ large? When you guys are going after a big opportunity, what does this look like in practicality for people around the world? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great lead into how big we're really looking at the diagnostic opportunity. We're not limited to one analyte or one molecule or one test. And we can run multiple tests on the same little patch device at the same time continuously. So in a few years, we expect to be in the hospital setting with our first indication in the ICU with, with being able to continuously monitor vancomycin, which is a very strong but well-utilized antibiotic. It's used in critical infections and sepsis and some resistant bacterias as it may serve as first-line treatment and, and life-saving treatment. However, we're not personalized enough, so these patients are quite sick, and we have to monitor them constantly, and the current methods don't allow for it. So the challenge to clinicians is, how do I make sure that I have enough of this drug to the point where it has benefits for this specific patient, but prevent the toxic events and the poor outcomes? at the same time. And that balance is extremely hard when the therapeutic window is very narrow. And you can think of a lot of that have that, Mike, but vancomycin is one of them. It is dosed in, in quite a few patients, you know, approximately 20% of patients in U.S. hospitals. And there's quite a few cases of sepsis. And, and the outcomes are quite poor if it causes acute kidney injury, the kidneys to stop functioning. So this is where we expect to be in our first indication, impacting these patients. And then adding on to that, you know, multiplexing, where we're not only monitoring the drug, but we're monitoring its effects. We're monitoring how much kidney injury it's causing and how early we detect starting to cause kidney injury. So again, we're getting towards that personalization and precision at the same time, where we make sure the drug concentration is correct, but we also look at the effects of it so that we can further improve and personalize the dose based on its impacts. This is quite an endeavor that will require a lot of education. It'll require a lot of research and, and data uh, so that clinicians and institutions are comfortable in implementing. But then as we veer off into the additional indications beyond the ICU, beyond vancomycin, it will involve other patients or non-patients. I mean, this is sort of managing the very sick 
But with our platform, we expect to be outside in the prevention setting, where again, behavioral change is a, is a huge hurdle to cover. But it requires this type of a platform and this type of capability and methodology to get there. So we want to actually mimic the impact that certainly continuous glucose monitoring has had with other analytes and other disease states. And that's, you know, sort of the evolution of CGMs. But we do want to revolutionize what in vitro diagnostics or the diagnostics in the lab have been doing for quite a few years. One thing that we don't talk too much about because this will obviously change the, it will be a paradigm shift in how medicine is practiced, is the fact that we won't be putting this on the body after we have a suspicion, after we see the patient declining, after the, it might be too late to intervene and prevent. It will already be on the body and we will see data that will help us react and interact with the patient much earlier. And that's paradigm shift in how we practice medicine today. Well, it's an exciting one. And yeah, that is a powerful way to look at it, that uh, we get upstream and we go ahead and use these technologies and these methodologies well before that specific crisis hits. It's an exciting future. And thank you for sharing that. We'll, we'll put the crystal ball back on the shelf for a moment. We'll come back to, to current state and love the community that's rallied around this podcast because they love to help organizations just like Neutromics. So I'll ask you, What's one problem need or question that you and the team have that our community rallied around this podcast can be helping you with? Yeah, Mike, there's plenty of folks like yourself and others that understand the limitations, share the vision, are quite interested. And for us, I think I would say we're looking for the right partnerships, the right investors. There are plenty of partners and plenty of investors out there, but the right ones is who we want to work with, the ones that would share the vision as we see it the ones that could add to that vision and certainly help uh, see it to fruition. And those are the investors slash partners that we would want to work with. You know, having the investment, the money, the VC backing, the strategic partners that's, uh, that have the capability and the capital, and certainly the will to do it is great. But if they're not the right investor, I think it could also be detrimental. So we would really say if it's the right investor, we're definitely going to be interested in you. Excellent. Well, how do they get a hold of you? Some uh, contact points online, social media handles, websites, or otherwise, how do they get a hold of you? I'm quite old school, Mike. I don't have too many social media contact points, but certainly I'm on LinkedIn, Again, Bashiri on LinkedIn. There, there aren't too many of us on there. And if you would like to email me directly, agim.bashiri at neutromics.com. Happy to receive the email. Happy to have the discussions. Excellent. Well, before we get out of here, we have one more piece for you. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because... Because this is what I live for. I live for improving the standard of care, not just for my family, my kids, but for the rest of the world. We could be treating one patient at a time in, in the clinical setting, but the opportunity is we could be treating billions at a time in the global setting. I absolutely love it. Well, Aguim, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. I know how busy the schedule is as you continue to build a game-changing company just like Neutromic. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story. And we look forward to continuing the updates on this podcast. But for now, thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate it, Mike, and, and look forward to uh, connecting in the future with hopefully more data. I love it. Thank you so much.
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.